Let's continue hearing Moses speaking to the Israelites, in a way reading the riot act to them. And we'll pick up the story again in verse 19 of chapter 1 of Deuteronomy. Do follow it along. Uh, We saw Moses in the first reading this, this morning say, See, I have set the land before you. Moses told the people, this is your land. And we'll follow along in verses 19 to 40 as we explore the next section of this reading. Verse 19. Then we set out from Horeb and went through all that great and terrifying wilderness that you saw on the way to the hill country of the Amorites, as the Lord our God commanded us. And we came to Kadesh Barnea. And I said to you, you've come to the hill country of the Amorites, which the Lord our God is giving us. See, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up, take possession, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has told you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Then all of you came near me and said, Let us send men before us, that they may explore the land for us, and bring us word again of the way by which we must go up, and the cities into which we shall come. The thing seemed good to me, and I took twelve men from you, one man from each tribe. And they turned and went up into the hill country and came to the valley of Eshkol and spied it out. And they took in their hands some of the fruit of the land and brought it back down to us and brought us word again and said, It's a good land that the Lord our God is giving us. Yet you would not go up, but rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. And you murmured in your tents and said, Because the Lord hated us, he has brought us out of Egypt to give us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Where are we going up? Our brothers have made our hearts melt, saying the people are greater and taller than we, the cities are great and fortified up to heaven, and besides, we have seen the sons of the Anakim there. And I said to them, Do not be in dread or afraid of them. The Lord your God who goes before you will himself fight for you, just as he did for you in Egypt, before your eyes and in the wilderness, where you have seen how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son all the way that you went until you came to this place. Yet in spite of this word, you did not believe the Lord your God who went before you in the way to seek you out a place to pitch your tents in fire by night and in the cloud by day to show you by what way you should go. And the Lord heard your words and was angered, and he swore, Not one of these men of this evil generation shall see the good land that I swore to give to your fathers, except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. He shall see it, and to him and to his children I will give the land on which he has trodden, because he has wholly followed the Lord. Even with me the Lord was angry on your account and said, You also shall not go in there. Joshua, the son of Nun, who stands before you, he shall enter. Encourage him, for he shall cause Israel to inherit it. And as for your little ones, who you said would become a prey, and your children who today have no knowledge of good or evil, they shall go in there, and to them I will give it, and they will possess it. But as for you, turn and journey into the wilderness in the direction of the Red Sea.
Let's ask God for his help as we come and seek to understand this part of his word. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the way that all of it is useful for pointing us to the Lord Jesus and teaching us, growing us in him. Please help us understand what we've read and please work through it to grow us in faith and in maturity. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, What does it take for you to trust someone? And I don't mean just a little bit of trust. I mean where you would trust them with the things that are most precious to you. Where you would listen to what they said and take it seriously, even if it was really hard to hear. Uh, What does it take for you to trust someone like that? Well, it probably takes time, doesn't it? Trust like that isn't given straight away. It's earned over years. And it's earned bit by bit, right? You trust them with something small and then something a little bit bigger until you can trust them with something precious. And you need to see that they'll always tell you the truth, even when it's hard for you to hear. And gradually, bit by bit, over a long time probably, that trust is earned. Moses is actually talking about something similar in the passage we just read from Deuteronomy. See, God's people, they're just they're standing on the edge of the promised land, about to go in and receive everything that God has promised them. But will they? What will it take for them to trust God? To really trust Him? Uh, to the point where they listen to him, even when it's hard to hear. When they trust him, when things are scary. And when they obey him, even when they don't like it. And it's a question for us too. What will it take for you and I to really trust God? To trust that he wants our good always. To trust uh, that we can obey him, even when it's hard. To trust him even when we are afraid. Like anything, that trust is trust that has to be earned, isn't it? But God has already earned that kind of trust. That's what Moses is saying here. Moses begins this book of Deuteronomy with three chapters reminding them of everything that God has already done. How he has already earned their trust. He has been faithful. What we're going to see from these chapters is that because God is always faithful, even when we are unfaithful, we can trust him, obey him, and live without fear. Let's dive in. Deuteronomy, it all begins on the edge of the promised land. See it there in Deuteronomy 1 verse 1. These are the words that Moses spoke to all Israel beyond the Jordan in the wilderness, in the Arabah opposite Suf, between Paran and Tophel, Laban, Hazaroth and Dizahab. These words, they set the context for the whole book of Deuteronomy. Notice that these are the words of Moses, that great leader of God's people. Of the one who led them when God rescued them from Egypt, waging war against the gods of Egypt in ten great plagues. Leading his people through the Red Sea on dry land. This is the one who met with God on behalf of the people at Mount Sinai when God came and made a covenant with them. Moses is the one who received the law on the stone tablets twice. (laughs) 
These are his words. In fact, these are his final words. These are his last speeches to God's people before they go into the land and Moses dies. He's speaking to Israel, God's chosen people. They're poised on the edge of the land that God promised. They're looking across the Jordan at the promised land. It's so close that they can taste it. And Moses speaks to them these words. But these aren't just Moses' words. Let me read from verse 2. It's 11 days' journey from Horeb by the way of Mount Seir to Kadesh Barnea. In the 40th year, on the first day of the 11th month, Moses spoke to the people of Israel according to all that the Lord had given him in commandment to them. These are God's words. The people better listen up. This is going to be important. Through Moses, God is going to lay out for his people how they're to live as his people in relationship with him in the land that he's giving them. We're going to see this as we work through Deuteronomy over the rest of this term. Deuteronomy begins by reminding them of all the Lord has done for his people. It calls them to listen to the Lord and to obey him when they go into the land. Deuteronomy lays out all sorts of laws for the people that show what it looks like to live in loving, trusting relationship with God and flowing out from that in relationship with others. And this book ends with a list of blessings and curses. Blessings if they obey, curses if they don't. That's not because God is being capricious or being arbitrary. He's not out to spoil their fun. He's saying this because he wants them to have life. True life. The good life. A loving life with the living God. The Lord is the one who made everything, the one who gives life and the one who is life. And the good life is the life that's lived in relationship with him. Later in Deuteronomy 30 verse 19, God's going to call them to choose life by obeying these things. And he describes this life as loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice and holding fast to him. For he is your life and length of days. God is calling them to obedience for their good because he wants them to have the good life in relationship with him. But what about us? Why should we study Deuteronomy? It's thousands of years old. It's written to a people who aren't us in a place that isn't Toowoomba who lived long before Jesus. It's full of some really weird laws. We're going to see them. Why is this book worth studying for us? I want to give you four quick reasons. I'm going to go real quick, so I'll put them up on the screen so you can keep up. First, it shows us what our God is like and who he is. We don't worship a different God. This is our God, the one we come to through Jesus. Deuteronomy shows us what he's like. He's gracious, merciful, faithful, just. He wants life and good for his people, and he can't stand sin because he wants the good for his people. Second, Deuteronomy shows us a picture of what it looks like to live in relationship with God. How to live the good life, a loving life with the living God. 
It's going to take some work for us to understand what these laws reveal to us about God and living with him, but it's worth it. It's going to teach us, rebuke us, correct us, and train us to live righteously without God. Third, Deuteronomy is a foundation for the whole Old Testament. The books after Deuteronomy, they explain how well or not God's people do at keeping these commands. They're carted off into exile according to the curses that are laid down in Deuteronomy. The prophets speak God's word in, the, in, in light of God's word in Deuteronomy. And if we want to understand the whole Old Testament, we need to get our heads around Deuteronomy. And fourth, Deuteronomy points us to Jesus. When Jesus showed his disciples everything in the Old Testament that was written about him, it included Deuteronomy. It's able to make us wise for salvation in Jesus. We're going to see how it shows us our need for him, helps us understand the eternal life that he gives us, and shows us what it looks like to live in relationship with him. Deuteronomy points us to Jesus. I hope I've answered the question that you didn't ask me, and that you'll be with us as we study Deuteronomy. And you see, we're going to see how Deuteronomy points us to Jesus this morning. These words of God through Moses, they put a challenge before us too. Will we trust God? Now, this is a live question for the the Israelites because something has already gone wrong by the time we get to Deuteronomy. In verse 2 that we just read, we read that the journey from Horeb, which is another name for Sinai, where God's people met with God, The journey from Horeb to the promised land, it's only 11 days. But here we are in their 40th year. They are 14,589 days late. (laughs) Something has gone horribly wrong with the people trusting God. Moses is going to explain. It all happened when the people were approaching the land that first time. Now we've gone back 40 years before Deuteronomy. God told his people to leave the mountain where he met with them and go to the land that he's giving them. Verse 8. See, I've set the land before you. Go in and take possession of the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give to them and to their offspring after them. This is God's faithfulness. You see, way back in Genesis 15 and Genesis 12, God made a covenant with Abraham to make Abraham's descendants a great nation and to give them the land of Canaan. And now God is keeping his promise. He's faithfully giving them the land that he promised to give. Not only that, but he's made them great. Moses can't keep up with caring for these people. He needs help. Why? Because God's kept his promises. Verse 10. The Lord your God has multiplied you. And behold, you are today as numerous as the stars of heaven. May the Lord, the God of your fathers, make you a thousand times as many as you are and bless you as he has promised you. See, God's shown his faithfulness. He's rescued them from Egypt. He's blessed the people and made them great. He led them through the wilderness, feeding them with manna and giving them water from rocks. And now he's brought them to the land to give it to them. And all they have to do is take it. Verse 21. See, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up, take possession, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has told you. Do not fear or be dismayed. 
This isn't just any land. This is a great land. The people send spies up to check things out. Spies come back and they report that this land's great. Full of fruit and livestock. A land flowing with milk and honey. Only the best for God's people. One catch. The spies do mention that the people of land are, are, are big. Like really big. They live in fortified cities. They have big armies. So what will the people do? Will they trust God? The faithful God who's led them through the wilderness, who's kept his promises, who's giving them the land? Or will they end up back in the wilderness? Verse 26. Yet you would not go up, but rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. And you murmured in your tents and said, Because the Lord hated us, he has brought us out of the land of Egypt to give us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Where are we going up? Our brothers have made our hearts melt, saying that people are greater and taller than we. The cities are great and fortified up to heaven. And besides, we've seen the sons of the Anakim there. All the people can see is how big their enemies are. They don't trust God to take care of them. In fact, they grumble against him. They say that he hates them. Out of fear and mistrust, they spurn his gift. But even then, Moses pleads with them. They have a chance to obey. Moses reminds them of God's faithfulness. Verse 29. Then I said to you, do not be in dread or afraid of them. The Lord your God who goes before you will himself fight for you just as he did for you in Egypt before your eyes and in the wilderness where you have seen how the Lord carried you as a man carries his son all the way that you went until you came to this place. Have you seen a dad carrying a newborn baby? You can see it here in our own church family recently. He carries them gently, carefully, with great love. That's how God has cared for his people. Moses reminds them of God's faithfulness. He fought for them in Egypt. He'll fight for them again. He's gently cared for them in the wilderness and he will care for them in the land. They don't have to be afraid. They can trust him and obey him. But they refuse. They won't go up. And so God judges them. Verse 34. And the Lord heard your words and was angered. And he swore... Not one of these men of this evil generation shall see the good land that I swore to give to your fathers. They've rejected the land that God has given, and so God gives them what they've chosen. See how the punishment fits the crime? They have refused to receive the land from God by going up, so they won't ever receive the land. They will turn around and go back into the wilderness and they will die without seeing the land that God has provided. It will take 40 years, but none of this generation will see the land except for Caleb and Joshua. And then they make it worse. They decide now they're going to obey. Now they go up to the land. But this isn't true repentance. See, real repentance, true repentance, is sorry for sin. It acknowledges wrong. It accepts the consequences. True repentance turns to God and says, I'm sorry, please have mercy on me, and turns away from sin. 
But they don't do that. They don't turn to God for mercy, accepting the consequences. They think they can make up for their sin by doing the right thing now. Uh, But obeying now can't undo what their past disobedience has, has brought. It's just ignoring God's word a second time. It adds insult to injury. God warns them not to do it, but they go up into the land anyway. Again, they don't trust him and they are soundly beaten. So they turn around and they go back into the wilderness. The exodus is being undone. But even here, God is faithful to them. Even though they won't see the land, he promises that their children will see it. They will go in and receive the land. The people may have been unfaithful, but God is faithful to his promises. Not only that, but he is with them. He blesses them, even in the wilderness. Look at what it says in chapter 2, verse 7. For the Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hands. He knows you're going through this great wilderness. This 40 years, the Lord your God has been with you. You have lacked nothing. They're wandering through the wilderness under God's discipline for refusing to trust him. This grumbling, difficult people. But even then, God is with them. He's led them. He's provided all they've needed. He's even blessed them. They are unfaithful, but God is still faithful. He's even faithful to carry out the judgment that he promised. He keeps his word. All of the generation who refuse to enter the land, they die in the wilderness. But God doesn't prolong it. As soon as it's done, God turns the people back towards the land. Take two. God's people approaching the land. Take two. God leads the people towards the land. On the way, they go through the land of Esau, but that's not their land. Chapter 2, verse 5. Do not contend with them, for I will not give you any of their land. No, not so much as for the sole of the foot to tread on, because I've given Mount Seir to Esau as a possession. This is an odd detail, but notice that it's not just Israel that God has been faithful to. God has been faithful to Esau's descendants too. He's given them this land as a possession. If he can give Esau this land, he can do it for Israel, right? It's the same story with the land of Moab. God has been faithful to the descendants of Lot. In fact, in chapter 2, verse 21, we're told that God destroyed a people who were great and many from their land so that the Moabites could live there. God has been faithful to them. He can do it for Israel too. And that's what he does. Israel travels north out of the land of Moab and into the land of Sion the Amorite. Only this time, God gives Sihon and his land to Israel. They're able to defeat him, destroy his cities, take the land that God is giving them. Verse 36. From Aroah, which is on the edge of the valley of Arnon, and from the city that is in the valley, as far as Gilead, there was not a city too high for us. The Lord gave all into our hands. God is fighting for them. He is faithful to his promise. He's providing Now, this raises some hard questions. I acknowledge that. 
Some hard questions about God's people destroying the Canaanites and taking their land. And these are questions that I do want to answer, or at least try to, when we get a little further in Deuteronomy. So I've taken them on notice. Let's put them on hold now. But notice that God does the same thing with the land of Og. Og is a big guy with a really short name, a powerful king. Chapter 3, verse 11 says he has a bed of iron that was about four metres long. This is a big guy, right? What would happen? Could God's people defeat Og? Yes, because God is faithful. Just like Sion, they were able to defeat Og and take his lands to be the lands of Israel. God was faithful to his promises. Which brings us up to the moment of Moses' speeches in Deuteronomy. Israel is on the edge of the land. They've defeated Sihon and Og. They've started to take the land. God is with them. They've been unfaithful, but God is faithful always. And Deuteronomy leaves us with the question, what next? Will the people listen? Moses lays out the good life for them, a loving life with the living God. He calls them to obedience and he warns them of the consequences if they disobey. And it all begins with this reminder, you are an unfaithful people, but the Lord our God is a faithful God. He will keep his promises. He will do what he says. Be warned, Moses says. The Lord will keep his promises to judge. He will do what he says. But even then he will be faithful. Even then he provides for his people and he will keep his promises to bless them. Will the people listen? Will they trust God and obey his word? Well, we'll just have to wait and see. But these are questions for us too. Will we trust God? Will we obey Him? We will, fear the thi- will we fear the, sing- the things of this world or will we live in obedient trust, knowing that He's faithful and that the good life is only found with Him? The good news is, you and I have even more reason to trust that God is faithful than the Israelites did. We have seen even more evidence of how faithful our God is. We have another 61 books of the Bible after Deuteronomy. Through the ups and the mostly downs of Israel's history, God remains faithful to his promises. He turns and saves his people when they cry out to him. They go into exile just as God said, and yet he restores them and promises them an eternal kingdom. To this rebellious people, he even sends his own son. Jesus comes to take the punishment and judgment that God's people rightly deserve. That we rightly deserve. That's how far God is willing to go to be faithful to his promises. Even giving up his own son. See, in Jesus, we see God being faithful both to his promises of judgment and his promises of blessing. In his grace, he pours out his judgment on his own son. 
Jesus takes all the curses which are rightfully ours so that we can share in all the blessings that are rightfully his. Through Jesus' death and resurrection, through faith in him, we have eternal life in him. Adoption as God's sons and daughters, God's spirit living in us, his law written on our hearts. He has proved himself to be totally and utterly faithful. So will you trust him? If you're not someone who trusts in Jesus, let me encourage you to do that today. He's faithful. He offers you eternal life. Will you receive it or will you spurn him? If you're someone who trusts in Jesus, be reminded this morning of his faithfulness. Our God is faithful to us, even when we fall short. He will always keep his promises. And if we trust him, then let's listen to what he says. His commands aren't arbitrary. He's not out to spoil your fun. They're there for your good. They show us what it looks like to live in relationship with God, which is actually the only truly good life. Sin, it'll promise a lot, but it'll only mess you up and lead to death. But life is found in Jesus. So listen to him. And don't be afraid. The Israelites were stopped from obeying God or or they chose not to obey God because of their fear. All they could see were their enemies. They stopped seeing God's faithfulness. There's a lot we could be afraid of too, right? Sickness, COVID, an election where evil people are elected to rule, persecution, sickness, suffering, even death. But we have even more reason to face these things with trust than the Israelites did. God is faithful, always faithful. He is the creator of all things and he is with us even in our suffering. We don't need to be controlled by our fear. Instead, we can trust and obey him because our faithful God is with us. What would it take for us to trust God? He's proved himself time and time again over thousands of years from little things to even giving his own son for an unfaithful people. We too are an unfaithful people like Israel. But he is our faithful God. Let's trust him. Let's obey him. Let's live with confidence, not fear. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a faithful God, always faithful to your promises. This week, no matter what we face, whether we are afraid or unsure or tempted or we struggle with doubt, please work in our hearts so that we might trust you that we might be reminded of your great faithfulness to your people throughout history, your faithfulness to us. That we might look to Jesus and see there your faithfulness on full display. That we might trust you and obey you and have confidence in you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.